again, and welcome back to the Social World Podcast. Today, what I'd like to do is talk quite a bit about the environment for a number of reasons. I mean, partly because at the time that we're talking to each other, there's this most terrible tragedy of the human population of the planet. But we were and still are on the verge of fatally destroying the world that we live in, absolutely undermining all the environmental progress that's been made by a parallel destruction. But the pause that COVID-19 has caused in so much activity, the serious reduction of carbon emissions that have been forced on us, if you like, by the threat, has shown in the saddest but starkest way that a short time of recovery can partially clean the air, clean the rivers, and help congested populations breathe easier and improve the Earth's atmosphere considerably. Our history, however, speaks against us. The relaxation of lockdown has people sprinting for their cars and soon sprinting for planes. And then the factories will again be producing at full tilt. Massive plastic waste will continue and increase being dumped in the oceans. And there'll be this uh, increasing race again to gouge oil from a honeycombed and riddled planet. The big oil spill that's just happened in Arctic Russia is a perfect example. 20,000 tonnes of diesel oil spilled into a river. And that was because it was partly stored on an installation standing on permafrost that became unstable and melted. And 55% of Arctic Russia is covered in permafrost. And there is an enormous number of installations, factories, activity, drilling, you name it, going on in that part of the world. This particular spillage will take something they think like 10 years to clean up at the cost of about a billion, a billion pounds. And already the spill is seven and a half miles long. Now, I took part in a project recently that was part poetry, part raising environmental awareness. And the trigger for this was a short seven minute video, the link of which I'm putting on the text for this podcast at the front. And it was called Rise from One Island to Another. And it was the brainchild of two 
very impressive women. One from the Pacific and the Marshall Islands, and one from Greenland, who had created a long and very impressive piece of poetry, backed up by some startling environmental warnings. And we, as a poetry group that I belong to in Bath, which is in the West Country of England, responded to it. We were meant to do it live, but of course lockdown intervened, so we did it virtually with our own short poems. Each one of us writing one or two poems in response to this particular video. And I've put a link for that as well. Both of these are available on YouTube. Now, in these, I'd just like to read you one or two, if I could. Um, for now, I'll just read you the ones that I put on. But I'm hoping to do a much more comprehensive poetry podcast in the future that will let you hear an awful lot of my very talented friends and colleagues speaking as well. But for now, these are the two poems that I wrote in um, response. And if you look at the video, listen to these poems, hopefully you'll see connections. And I want you to get in touch with me if you can too, either with your poetry, with your thoughts, with your ideas about environmental safety, and now plans for the future, which I'll come on to in a minute, but for now. The first poem is called, All Land is Hallowed. All land is hallowed, with earth baptized by some god, and seas swum in by angels. Yet we walk in sadness, watching sisters in two oceans paint our legacy in words of despair. We, the infant stewards, young with no control, just blind to broken rocks and shells. This is a globe of poisons, close to oblivion, wounded by each generation, as our son takes her dead child back to the beginning. The second poem is called Pacific Child. Pacific Child cannot stop the theft alone. Some sand can be saved, but not all. The woman of the sand sings so sweetly of love and protection, speaks a verse in praise of perfection with a golden invitation to the land of ice, where a soul sister cries with every melting day. No faith, a heart left broken, and land has gone where mammoths stood. Now that's now, but in our own way, as a species on this planet, we have knowingly or unknowingly, been destroying our home for thousands of years. 
And where I live, there's also been some indiscriminate violation of the planet. Although starting 2000 years ago, I live near where there was lead mining that was carried on until only about 140 years ago. And the land is still recovering. It is a bit, but it's still recovering and it will take some considerable time to even get back to what it was. But lots of people died in the getting the lead, including very young children who were forced into long tunnels of smelting to scrape the lead off the roof of these tunnels. And many of them never got past their seventh birthday. And this poem that I wrote reflects that through all the different phases over 2000 years of where I live and effectively that the damage that was done and what's left now, although it's recovering, it was terribly, terribly commercially damaged. It was just absolutely dug out for no other reason than, gain, than financial gain and at a terrible loss to a population. It's called the Charterhouse Mines. Blood washed and slate, the sky presided over one hour's walk to mark the mines. The mist formed veils in fading light as shadows slid from shafts and a banshee of an owl claimed the night. Long-headed shepherds, moor and marsh dreamers, prehistoric miners of Iberian descent all colonize the hills and form a charter house of painted caves and white skulls and then the mist moves like a turning worm. Hard and straight, the lines of Rome converge with convicts for the mining and theatres for the troops. Smells of alchemy, arrogance and blood seep through villas whose owners rattle dice cups on mosaics where the wolf pack stood. The bleakest times of iron and mud-soaked wars let a merchant church command the shafts. Between the rage of foresters, the royal sword, and the silver greed of bishops, the land wept lead without a word. Near cheddar streams, as red as Waterloo soldiers, boys curled up and faded with seven years of life. In the swamp smell tunnels through gruffy ground, Lamps in a thousand tents vanished in the wind and left the owl in the mist, the only sound. All quiet now, on the desolate hill, no noise and silent graves washed away with slurry. But their spirits prey in the heather bed, near the reeds where snipe prepare for sleep, and the grasslands as the rabbits lick the red. 
and that lead was extracted, as I said, over 2,000 years. Now surely, and I've heard that there is a summit meeting coming up that's going to be convened by one of the major political parties here in the UK, looking at a way that we can establish some momentum here from the environmental gains that have been in this tragic time. Looking a way of improving the planet's health and providing employment at the same time, so taking care of the two major issues that every man and woman on the planet would, be, would seem to be important too. This post-COVID-19, it must include green employment. So whether it's projects cleaning the planet, whether it's projects planting, whether it's projects sustaining existing resources, whether it's projects detoxifying matters already toxic on the planet, whether it's oceans or landfill or whatever. We need work and projects, good paid work and projects, that will at the same time feed us and heal us. And if anything can come out of this conference, then effectively it will have been a success. But we need far more than that. We need a whole new mindset. Now, I'm going to read somebody else's work. Just one UK poem to do with COVID-19. It's more of a, a, read, a quick take on it, but it's a very interesting one. It's a West Country poet, Georgina Shapra, and it's called Corona. I remember when Corona was a fizzy red drink, long before we were keyed by lockdown. Men with yellow floppy hair lead us to who knows where, and we resort to Zoom, our new neighborhood. The Queen comes out of hibernation to evoke another Dunkirk and ask us to stay at home, save the odd trip to the supermarket, where staff with huge lollipops in strict two-metre exclusion zones march the aisles. And march we still in daily exercise to the beat of virus doom. Friends remark on guilty secrets of peace and quiet and birdsong, of books read and puzzles solved. The domestic violence of our precious lives, wielded not at each other but at another clod of earth. We few, we precious few, give some thought to those that risk their lives whilst others fight for theirs. And each Thursday, proffer claps in exchange, applauding our own survival. Well, there we are, a fairly short, but I hope uh, evocative podcast today. And I really would love to hear your thoughts, your poetry, your ideas, and future thoughts. I, I am going to revert in the next few podcasts to the world of social care because so many issues are cropping up to do with that as well and I'll return to issues including ethical 
um, recruitment of um, care workers, health and social workers from abroad into Western industrialized countries and from them. I'm going to look at post-COVID-19 social work with the uh, chair of the Global Institute for Social Work based in Singapore and hear about what thoughts he has managed to collate from colleagues all over the world as to how social work has worked in this pandemic and how it could work in a post-pandemic world. And also I'm hoping to do a podcast with a new initiative looking at safer and more appropriate safeguarding training, child protection training for international schools around the globe. So quite an agenda, but at the same time, I hope you'll help me promote it. And it's been a pleasure talking to you again. Speak to you soon.